0: Hey, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another one-on-one podcast with DMN. My guest today, Jamie Punishill, who's CMO of Lionbridge. Welcome. Thank you so much, Kim. Great to be here. And our regular readers will will know of Lionbridge, of course, translation localization services based just outside of Boston. But our topic today is is rather broader than that. It's about some really interesting applications of artificial intelligence and machine learning and some real-life use cases. AI, it's been the buzz for a few years, how long have you been like interested in it and focused on it?
1: Oh, well, I mean, I'm fairly new to Lionbridge, uh, so in the Lionbridge context, obviously, for, for the last six months, although, you know, machine translation. Which is in many ways one of the first use cases of machine learning or AI right. that even Turing envisioned, you know, back yep. in the fifties. Yep. Um, uh, Lionbridge has been really part of the pioneering set in understanding how to train those systems, use those systems, uh, you know, originally for the spoken word, uh, uh, sorry, the written word, yep. but increasingly now for sp- the spoken word.
0: It's it's interesting you mentioned Turing because if go back to the the. Alan Turing's famous test that really was about training a machine to respond in writing to questions and seeing if people could tell the difference between a machine and a human being. And my goodness here we are all these years later, chatbots, voice assistants. Very much a development from that, isn't it? I,
1: well, and it goes to show you, you know, be careful of the hype cycle. <laughs> um, he wasn't wrong. Yeah. Uh, and, and increasingly I've found, you know, predicting the future is not terribly difficult. Um, predicting timing and how things will develop is incredibly difficult. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, you can you know we're probably going to be 100 years before Turing's full vision is is, oh. is out at scale I um but man he was right he was yeah. spot on
0: well I, uh, and again that, that that's really relevant because i i was talking to some people recently who are looking at use of ai by marketers and they were estimating adoption as fairly low they were saying less than half of marketers were really using ai but it depends what you, you think of as AI. and it, it seems to me likely that there's actually a lot more use that's just not being labeled as such because chatbots and voice assistants, uh, that kind of thing is really with us already, isn't it?
1: That, that's right. And, and, you know, <clears throat> AI is, is the new of the buzzwords, You know, uh, big data and cloud and yeah. CRM or whatever, and they start to become meaningless terms at some point because they mean everything and nothing. To your point, though, Right. If you, whether it is the automated production of reports and information that a lot of Wall Street firms are doing, right, right where dynamic data feeds in, but they've basically got clips of text that mm-hmm. are being generated, you know if the earnings are up or down, or it is the chatbot, which if trained properly, can answer very simple questions I was doing with my bank this morning, yeah. right I'm walk to the train station. So I think there's actually quite a bit of applications very broadly, um, depending on how you choose to, to to define it. Okay,
0: so touching on natural language generation, that's something which seemed a long way off just a few years ago. Is it quite common in the marketplace now? Um,
1: is it quite common? I think it's in, increasingly common, um, and you see just as many programs start and end because um, it's quite hard mm-hmm. to. And I think this is the one of the big skills overall that marketing organizations are having transition to is really getting that expertise around data, both having good data, data discipline, cleansing it, getting quality data, then the data scientists who can interpret it, do something with it, make it actionable, and then even decide is it a worthy action? Can mm-hmm. I scale that? Was it worth all that effort to pick up, you know, one one-thousandth of a percent of uh, of an improvement? So that's part of the big transition I think that's going on in, in, in marketing. But you can see this in, you know, you know how movies or games or other videos are transcribed and dubbed and right. subtitled. You can see this in the need for, frankly, vast amounts of high quality dangu- uh, data, linguistic data, yeah. uh, language data to train chatbots, to train voice assistants, you know, you talk to your car. I mean, there's 64 different dialects of American English alone, um, never mind 7,000 languages on this planet. So yeah. uh, that's a lot of data um, with a lot of coverage.
0: Well. Uh, the- that takes us to the next level doesn't it because we talk about uh, creating written texts and the, the extent to which that can be done now be done through automation but from your perspective you're thinking about clients businesses which need to create both written texts and audio in a whole range of different languages and dialects of different cultures now doing that without artificial intelligence I envisage Huge halls full of translators sitting there scribing away. But that's not the reality anymore, is it?
1: Well, look, I mean, I think we've, you know, for 20 years, uh, uh, you've watched um, really step function increases in the capabilities of, whether it's processing, you know, uh, workflow processing or machine translation capabilities um, that have added to the efficiency, right? And frankly the capabilities of the translation localization yeah. uh, uh, business. That said, you can really see as we move into the neural world, um, there's a great improvement and potentially even more, that'll that will change the whole whole space. Like every other technology though, um, right, the, the fear that the human is <laughs> magically replaced right. um, I think is is vastly overstated. You know, we still have backhoes. Um mm-hmm. backhoes probably put some guys with pickaxes and shovels out of work, but (laughs) go to any construction site, there's somebody who runs that backhoe. There's a lot of guys with pickaxe and shovels surrounding that backhoe, still doing the fit and finish. And by the way, there's a whole industry who has to build and market and sell. Those backhoes. So jobs change, but right. in the end, you know, the, I think the fears are overblown. But clearly, change is coming, uh, yeah. and and we're really in the business of helping organizations figure out how to pivot that, and frankly, take advantage of the opportunities. Can you do more languages? Mm. Can you expand into more global markets than you could have uh, previously? Because we we pick up efficiencies and, and and cost saves that free up budget to go elsewhere. So as much challenge there as there is, there's infinitely more opportunity from our perspective.
0: Okay, so machines are creating the opportunity to do more, to scale, but you still have humans involved in training the machines and looking at the output and making sure, especially the important messages, that they're correctly translated.
1: That's right. And and like everything else, you'll see a shift from, I don't want to call them quite lower value activities, Mm. but, you know, uh, translating a technical document, right, which... In the end, probably wasn't the passion of that translator, <laughs> right, when they, when they studied languages right. in, at, at university, but it was, was a necessity, and, and, and increasingly the machines can do that. It's necessary work, it has to happen, but that frees up capacity to go after marketing materials, which are more creative and yeah. nuanced and, you know, back to the Turing test, a little yeah. bit more difficult for or yeah. almost impossible for the machines to do. And even different language pairs, some lend, lend themselves quite nicely to the machines and some don't, and different topics uh, will lend themselves nicely to the machines and, and and some don't. So the work will shift, but it, as with all things, you actually will probably see volume increase, so there's right. more opportunity, just slightly different.
0: Yeah, and we were talking just before I, I hit record about volume of content that's out there. And one thing which I, I think is really exciting is that The first thing that comes to people's minds when they think about translation might still be translating a text. But with the way things are going, with people predicting that 80% of content is going to be video a little way down the road, translating... You're translating audio as much as anything else. I mean, what challenges does that present?
1: Well, I, you know, for one, let's start with even the word translation. Mm. You know, like I'm, a, I'm almost on a personal mission to, to help the, the, the dialogue shift, right? Because nobody really cares about translation. They care about communicating. Okay. Translation is the activity. Um, you really want to make your message resonate, whatever that is. As you shift into audio, you have multiple challenges, not the least of which is the quality of the audio yeah. which if it's not high quality will make it very difficult for a machine to ascertain it and yeah. translate it. Think of how hard it is even to talk to our phones or our cars yeah. in our native language where yes. it's been trained properly and you find yourself screaming at the voice assistant, no I didn't mean that. Um, yep. you're right. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we all know what we've said to the devices. Oh yeah, right. Because we know and, they
0: don't have feelings.
1: <laughs> that, that's right. And, and you know how we have to adjust voice to text. Obviously, it's getting uh, getting a lot better. But you're absolutely right. As as you know, as video explodes and that becomes again the need either to take voice to text or text to voice or go voice to voice. Um, within one language, much less across them. Um, that's a, a huge amount of of new work and uh, in in front of, of marketers and content
0: creators. And when it comes to machine learning, it it works at all, and it works well when you've got huge quantities of data to train it with. Now, are, are businesses are they doing this in house? They come into Outside specialists like you to help training. Them? What do you think?
1: You're you're absolutely right. I think there's a, there's a mix of approaches to to the, that that challenge that you highlighted. We obviously think that um, increasingly firms will look to outside providers like us mm-hmm. to provide them with the high quality data that allows you to train it. You know, just for perspective, you know, we've got 45 billion words in our translation memories. Um, We've got a pretty good idea of almost, you know, every conceivable language pair and sort of topic set and and we've got some perspective on it. We already work with a lot of organizations to provide them with, again, that high quality data, whether it's text or it's voice Mm -hmm. uh, snippets, to train their systems to get better and better as they move multilingual. And we think it's a harder and harder challenge as you start to have a global view. How do you do it in 178 languages on one day um, when you launch a product? And increasingly, you know, it's another big challenge obviously that we have as marketers. The digital world is two-dimensional, right? I'm no longer bound by physical proximity and and locale. I put a product on the web or I put it on the phone and instantaneously seven billion people have access to it. Uh, I can't control where they come from, what language they speak, or how they operate. I'm now operating globally, uh, and so how do I expand into all those markets and take advantage of those things? And that's where I think we we feel uniquely positioned to help organizations solve those challenges.
0: Well, that, that, that brings a question to mind because, of course, it's also um, not just a one-way set of channels anymore. The audience will talk back to you, and as you point out, they might, might talk back to you in all kinds of languages. So how well developed is is artificial intelligence when it comes to understanding idiomatic responses on social understanding sentiment is that something machines can help with too?
1: It's they, Look they struggle there's no doubt about it All they're, they're getting much better again a lot of that's training but I think part of the, even the the globalization point that I just made has a secondary impact to it, which is the speed with which language is changing. Mm-hmm. New words are being added and cross-culturally they're being added, right? Yeah. A, a German word suddenly becomes part of the English lexicon right. um, or, or vice versa. Uh, so language is very dynamic, um, which means there's that, you know, and this is another challenge I think a lot of folks, as they get into the AI business, miss. It isn't a once and done. You don't train it and fire and forget. Right. It you've now signed up for an ongoing optimization, training, learning, improvement exercise, which is a big investment and, and frankly, a business, uh, a business operational difference that I don't think a lot of folks uh, anticipate. But. Uh, the, the idiomatic expressions are a challenge. And again, even subject matter topical. If you're a, a life sciences, you know, you're a pharmaceutical manufacturer, mm-hmm. there's a lot of very specific vernacular and terminology that goes in and around that topic area that you've got to figure out. How it transitions culturally, sure. um, and so that it has meaning, and there's there's big existential risk on the other end of that. Yeah. Uh, so even what your standard is for the output, and then how you manage that is is quite different. The machines will improve. Uh, frankly, I think what that means is the data scientists and the experts have to get even better at training and understanding that output.
0: Okay, I, I guess the nightmare scenario, um, in your business, although I don't think it's very likely. Is if one day the world is so homogenous that everyone speaks English, but we're a little bit away from that, aren't we? Uh,
1: sure, I guess you know if the uh, the Tower of Babel goes away, um, <laughs> and we we have that return. I, I do think we're uh, certainly not in my lifetime. Uh, I think do I, I necessarily have to have to to, to worry about that? Um, look, this is a. You know, our space, a $40 billion space uh, that sort of people spend on localization and globalization. And that's even missing yeah. uh, chunks of revenue sort of in the market sizing around this this topic of linguistic training and AI, et cetera. Yeah. Folks like us are, you know, pretty small relative to the the opportunity. There's far more opportunity. I don't think the... I, I don't think we spent a lot of time um, worrying about uh, <laughs> worrying about that and like I said yeah. even then it's tough to train these systems even in English oh, um, boy. so I yeah. think there'll be there'll be lots of uh, lots of opportunity like I said 64 dialects even of American English yeah um, never mind what you might call world English um, um, such as it were I, I'm I think we're in okay shape
0: and maybe a hundred years until the machines can do it as well as humans I,
1: I will certainly <laughs> tee it up for my children to be thinking about this but uh, I think I'm gonna be okay
0: we come back into another podcast 100 years from now and I'll ask you the same question. Perfect, perfect. Thank you very much for joining us, Jay. It was a real pleasure. Thank you.